on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Foley. Aaron Ashby was almost unhittable tonight. Wow, what a performance from him. He goes five and two-thirds innings, and he doesn't give up a hit until he's into the sixth. Just absolutely rolls. The bullpen takes over. Offensively, the Brewers don't do much. Three runs on four hits, but it was more than enough tonight. They come away with a 3-1 win. They take the series, and now they'll be looking for a series sweep tomorrow afternoon. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Tonight we're on 94.5 ESPN. If you want to join us, the phone number to call and text, it's a little bit different than when we are on WTMJ. 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. That's how you call or text, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Bucks coverage over on WTMJ, so we are here on 94.5 ESPN tonight. Vinny Rotino, former brewer and Valley Sports Wisconsin analyst, he will be joining us coming up in just a little while. The For me, and I, I have been very critical of this team in terms of what they've done offensively. Yesterday was clearly a really, really good day when they scored the 12 runs on the 14 hits. I'm actually not concerned about the three runs on four hits today. It doesn't bother me because it was miserable. It was miserable in Pittsburgh tonight. First pitch weather, 40 degrees. Wind was blowing pretty good. Temperature was dropping as it went along. There's a like a winter weather advisory or a freeze warning in effect tonight for PNC Park. This is this is much like those opening games in Chicago when it was really cold. It's tough to score runs when it's that cold. So I'm I'm not worried about what they did offensively tonight. Now. Is it maybe something? Is it the a continuation of them being a struggling offensive group this year because they have been? Maybe. But is it just simply it was really cold tonight? Yeah, there's there's that's a definite possibility, and I'm not gonna walk away from that. But Brewers pitching was so good. They gave up one hit. They gave up one hit in this game. And it, it's just Every night, it's somebody else. They have so much pitching. It doesn't matter if it's Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff or Freddie Peralta or Adrian Hauser or Eric Lauer or Aaron Ashby. It doesn't matter if it's any of those guys. They just keep going out and putting together spectacular performances on the mound. It is something else. It is something to behold here at this point. 22nd time in franchise history that the Brewers have allowed one or fewer hits. They actually have a loss in one of those games. They're 21-1, and but just the 22nd time that they have allowed either one hit or no hits. They give up just one hit tonight, and they come away with a 3-1 victory. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers pick up the win in Pittsburgh 3-1. They take the series. Now they look for a sweep. We'll continue on in just a moment right here on 94.5 ESPN. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on ESPN Milwaukee. 3-2 pitch, there goes the runner, but it's a called third strike with a sinker on the inside edge. And Aaron Ashby strikes out this side here in the bottom of the first. 
three ortho ASAP strikeouts for the Brewers southpaw. Brewers come up with the win today. They knock off Pittsburgh 3-1 at PNC Park. They've taken the first two games of this series. They swept them in Milwaukee last week. Right now, the Brewers are just having a ton of success against the Pirates. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. A couple text messages coming in. Doug says, they got the win, so I'll leave the hitting alone tonight. So I'll say this. This is the best starting staff since the Braves of the early 90s. They only had four. Brewers have six. And for Hader, thought I exaggerated the 45 to 50 saves a couple weeks ago, but he is certainly on pace. He is on pace. That pace has got to slow down. It has to slow down. It is not sustainable what he is doing right now. And honestly, I, so I have two worries about this team. Worry number one is is the offense going to come around? Are they going to be a team that can consistently score runs? And then my other worry is the bullpen management, because they've got two things going when it comes to the bullpen. Thing number one, their high leverage guys, Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter, are pitching too much. And they can't do much about it. If they're available, you're not going to not pitch them in a one-run, two-run, three-run game. But they're being used way too much. And at some point, you got to let off the gas a little bit on those guys. And we saw that the other day, the, the game against the Giants at home that they lost. They lost that game partially, partially because they didn't score runs, but also partially because they didn't have their A bullpen available. The other aspect of the bullpen that worries me a little bit, and I think this is just going to fix itself, uh, especially once the the roster limit comes down and once you're uh, restricted to only carrying 13 pitchers. Now, that's not going to happen until uh, May comes to an end. But I, I feel like some of those other guys who are still expected to be important parts of the bullpen, uh, the, the Gots, the Suiters, the Cousins, those guys, they're not pitching enough. They're, so you've got one group that's pitching too much, and you've got another group that's not pitching enough, and those things do worry me on how it's going to play out as the season uh, continues to, uh, to to move along. Uh, Jerry uh, Bayview says, uh, good to see Hera, uh, Hater go multiple games instead of preserving him. Uh, sure, like, but this isn't anything new. He, he did that last year. His role changed last season. He became the conventional one-inning closer last year. And there were a few times he pitched three days in a row. I don't think he ever pitched four days in a row, but there were times where he pitched three days in a row last year. That is a very standard thing for Hayter. And I would go back to what I just said a moment ago on you just got to be careful. You got to be careful that you don't overuse them. But you also... You don't want to lose today's game trying to win tomorrow's game, if that makes sense, right? Like, You've got a chance to win today's game, win it. Because there's no guarantee that it's going to be a one-run game in the ninth inning where you need Hater tomorrow. So worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Worry about today, today. And unless they are totally unavailable, which does happen sometimes, you throw. You, you get them in there. Uh, Bill in Boulder, Colorado. Does anyone believe Yelich will ever come back? I don't know, Bill. Don't know. Uh, he's he's hitting the ball hard, but he's hitting it on the ground. He has very the launch angle is not good. Uh, yeah, I, I I would say that yesterday's performance for Yelich is the most concerned I have been 
about Christian Yelich in the last two and a half years. And we've seen some not great performances from Yelich. But on a day where the Brewers do what they did offensively, where everybody's getting hits, they're scoring gobs and gobs of runs, and he has an offer, to me that was alarming, that was startling. He comes up with a hit today, and the hit was he hits it hard, but he hits it on the ground, and he hit it hard enough into an area where nobody was. But again, it was, it was a hard-hit ball on the ground, and that's what he's doing. So he gets a hit today because he placed it in the right spot, uh, but it's, he didn't, it, was not, it was not putting it over the heads of the infielders and putting it in the gap or putting it over the wall or even putting it down the line, which he's done a little, I want to be fair on this. He's done that a little bit this year. He's got the one home run. He's got some doubles. Uh, I was I was actually feeling better about him maybe a week or so ago, even though the batting average wasn't there. I felt like he was coming up with extra base hits. I don't even care about the home runs. I just don't. I don't care if Christian Yelich never hits a home run for the rest of his tenure with the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't care about the home runs. They're nice, but I don't care about them. What I care about for Christian Yelich is getting it down the line into the corner and putting it into the gap where he can check in at second with a double. That, that's what you need from him. Anything more than that is extra. But go, he had some okay home run years when he was with the Marlins, but he was a doubles hitter. That's what he was. So even if whatever version of Christian Yelich is right now, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, I don't know, whatever version it is of him, for the Brewers to be their best self, at the very least, he's got to hit for extra bases. He's got to get doubles. And he's not doing that here at the moment. And I don't know. I don't know what it will take to get him back going. If I did know, I wouldn't be talking to you on the radio right now. Uh, I would I would probably have a very high-paying job with the Milwaukee Brewers because I could fix Christian Yelich. But I don't have that ability. So here we are, talking to each other after a 3-1 win uh, as the Brewers knock off the Pirates tonight. We'll take a break. When we come back, Vinny Rettino is set to join us. Brewers get the win in Pittsburgh, 3-1. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Afternoon. Brewers Extra Innings continues here on w- not on WTMJ on 94.5 ESP Milwaukee. Generally, we're on WTMJ. I have to put uh, a dollar in the jar now for saying WTMJ when we're on uh, 94.5 ESP and Bucks are over on uh, WTMJ tonight. Let's bring in Vinny Rettino for former Brewer and uh, Bally Sports Wisconsin analyst. Vinny, let's start with the performance of Aaron Ashby. Gives up just one hit, does walk a few, but, I mean, my goodness, he was he was really good. He was getting a ton of swing and misses on that slider. He's thrown all of his pitches for strikes. He's mixing it up. Uh, there, Other than the walks, it's, it's really hard to take any issue with anything that Ashby did tonight. I mean, just another guy that the Brewers have in there in, in the hopper, really, of starting pitchers, like elite starting pitcher type stuff that you saw from Aaron Ashby tonight. You know, 50 strikes, 85 pitches. It was remarkable. That's a pretty good strike percentage, yet he still walked five guys. So I think every once in a while he just kind of loses command, and he'll refine that. He'll get better at that. I do think it's a product, a little bit of his delivery. It's not. It's it's a little bit of an unorthodox, unorthodox delivery, right? I mean, he is flying open a little bit, so it takes him a little while, and he, and he mentioned that in the pregame, to get synced up. And when he does, man, oh, man, when he's in the zone, that's all he has to be. He's got to be in the zone, and his stuff moves all over the place. He's so dominant in the zone. It's just a, it's just a great performance, and such a, it's it's really a telling, you know, how bright 
this kid's future is. And maybe that window, even after Burns and Woodruff, if they don't extend these guys, that window can be extended just because of how dominant Aaron Ashby looks to be. And Ethan Small is on the way, too, and there's yeah. a good chance that he's going to be right there in that group with, with everybody else. All right, so explain to our listeners a little bit, when you talk about the delivery and just the the elaborateness of it, the complicatedness of it, and how you can get out of uh, out of sync and out of whack so easily, as a, as a pitcher fights through those things, like what happens in those moments where things all of a sudden just get a little bit out of sync? Yeah, so essentially what it is is you want to sync up your lower half and your upper half. That's really all it is, right? I mean, but it's hard for Aaron Ashby because of the arm. It does get long at times, right? You've seen a bunch of these guys. Chris Hook has taken a bunch of these guys and shortened up that arm action. I don't know how short Aaron Ashby's arm action is ever going to be. It's just how he throws. So he's got to be able to sync up the lower half and the upper half consistently and again he will do that he's I'll tell you what I scouted him when he first came out of the draft and it was a lot louder and a lot more things going on in that delivery back then so he's already improved and toned it down quite a bit so he'll continue to do that refine it tweak it in order to get himself synced up and in the zone more often all right so Josh Hader gets the save it's his 10th he has 10 saves in the Brewers first 19 games in the history of baseball he joins Armando Benitez in 2004, Danny Graves in 2004, Rod Beck in 1997, and Lee Smith in 1994 as the only pitchers in Major League Baseball to have 10 saves in the team's first 19 games of the season. That's good and bad, right? Like, it's really cool that he's done that, but at the same time, he's being used a ton. Yeah, I mean... What is he on pace for? Like 90 saves at this point, so he'll shatter the record. But, yeah, I mean, he is being used a ton. Now, that is what? What is the reason? Because their offense isn't really, you know, putting these games out of reach as they should. Um, I think the bats will heat up, and then you'll see Josh Hader's usage go down a little bit. But what a nice problem to have that you're using your the best closer in the game, maybe of – I mean, you, at this point, you might even argue that he is in a vacuum. In, the, in this three-year vacuum that he's been the closer for the Milwaukee Brewers, he might be, that might be the best three years dominant performance for a closer ever. I mean, certainly these last two years so far. So um, it's nice that he is a Brewer. And the games, they're just so short. That, I mean, with him at the back end of the bullpen and then obviously Boxberger and Devin as well. So the Brewers are going to win a ton of games just because of their, their pitching staff, and I think the bats are starting to heat up too. Devin Williams looked like Devin Williams tonight to me. He did. He did. And you know why? I think he relied on and trusted that fastball more, which allows that changeup to play up. He actually hung that changeup. That last changeup he struck out uh, Brian Reynolds on, it actually hung up there, and it didn't dive out of the zone. I actually think Brian Reynolds read it as a changeup that was going to dive below the zone, and it actually stayed up. That's so frustrating as a hitter. But um, it, the reason being that Devin Williams looked like Devin Williams is because he established that fastball, and the velo was up to 95, I believe. So that is a good sign. It's important that Devin Williams continues to ramp up that velo for that changeup to play up. I mean, we've seen him at his best when he's, what, 97, 98. So need to see that velo, need to see consistent strikes with that fastball. What does the difference need to be? For a, for a changeup to be effective, how much velocity difference does there need to be from fastball to changeup? 
They say 8 to 10 miles an hour is the most effective changeup, but we've seen Devin Williams, especially when he was the reliever of the year, 97, 98 with the fastball, and then it was like an 83-mile-an-hour changeup. And, and to me, yes, it's a changeup. Yes, he throws it like a changeup, but it certainly moves like a left-handed curveball or slider, right? This is almost a screwball. So I don't know. It's a unique pitch, Matt. This is a unique pitch. I don't know if Major League Baseball has ever seen something. It's more like a – it really is like a screwball. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's why you do see a little bit of a different velocity difference with Devin Williams' changeup when it's at its best. If the temperature would have been 75 degrees and there was sunny skies when the game got started, I would probably be concerned that they had three runs on four hits and went one for eight with runners in scoring position, and it would have felt like, okay, they had the big offensive day yesterday, but then they can't follow it up. Vinny, I'm giving them a pass. It was miserable. It's 40 degrees at first pitch. The wind was blowing. The temperature is going down. I, I don't know how you, how you hit anything in that weather. True, and, and think about, you know, Willie Domus smoked a ball in that first at-bat right to the left fielder. So he was picking up right where he left off the last two days. Rowdy Telez smoked a couple of balls. He smoked three balls, actually. I thought that ball was a hit. It should have been a hit to the first baseman, Tsutsugo, that went underneath his glove. Tyrone Taylor hit a couple of balls hard. Omar Narvaez hit a ball hard. Mike Brasso, he smoked a ball to right field. So, I mean, that's that's a good sign, right? I mean, you just want to see this group have good at-bats and hit the ball hard because we know that that's going to – that's going to equate to runs at some point, like we saw last night. All right, Vinny, good stuff as always. Brewers get the win uh, 3-1. Enjoy the day tomorrow, and we'll talk to you again real soon. For sure. Sounds good, Matt. All right, there's Vinny Rotino joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers get the win in Pittsburgh by a 3-1 score. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. A Milwaukee sports doubleheader victory today as the Bucks beat the Bulls 116-100 to advance to the second round of the NBA playoffs, and the Brewers pick up the win to secure a series victory against the Pirates. We continue on in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Chopper back up the middle, diving his Wong, flips to Adamas across the bag in time. He makes the throw to first for the 4-6-3 double play. The run will score from third. The Brewers will take that outcome and just an absolutely dazzling double play turned by Wong. He laid out, flipped it out of his glove. Adamas came across the bag and then made the throw to first. And you won't see a better double play turned than that one by the Brewers right there. But the Pirates do take a 1-0 lead. Dazzling indeed. That was one heck of a double play that was turned tonight. Brewers get the win in Pittsburgh 3-1. Brewers extra innings continuing here on 94.5 ESPN. If you want to join us, call or text 800-990-3776. 800-990-ESPN. That number is different than when we are on WTMJ. You can also tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Aaron Ashby, five and two-thirds innings. Took a no-hitter into the sixth. One run, one hit. Uh, six strikeouts, five walks. As we get into his numbers a little bit, he really he mixed his pitches really well. He threw his sinker the most, 38% of the time, his slider 27% of the time, and then his changeup and curveball came in at 19% and 16% respectively. When you look at the non-sliders, so the changeups, the sinkers, and the curveballs, he threw all of those for strikes, 
better than 60% of the time. Now, the slider he only threw for a strike about half the time, but that's that's the nature of that pitch. You're not going to throw that for a strike all the time. The idea is to get swings and misses on it, and he did. He got eight swings on the slider tonight, and five of them were whiffs. Five swings and misses. So when he got a swing on the slider, it was a swing and a miss 63% of the time. So those are some really perfect numbers there. You've got three pitches that you're throwing for strikes 60% of the time or better. And then the one pitch that you don't have the strike rate on, you're getting a swing and a miss better than 60% of the time. Uh, A good mix from him today, and he was on. He was absolutely on. He was absolutely locked in. I, I would have been curious to see how long Craig Council would have allowed him to go if the no-hitter would have stayed intact. This would be a very different show right now if he would have had a no-hitter when he ended up coming out of the game. Uh, he was he ends up at 85 pitches coming into the game. His season high was 74 pitchers. That was in that uh, start against St. Louis. Last time out when he worked out of the bullpen, he threw 53. And this is a, still a young guy. And in, in some ways, I know this is going to sound weird, and look, I'm not... I'm not rooting for the Brewers not to get a no-hitter. But in in some ways, him giving up a hit, there was some benefit to that because it got rid of the hard decision about how far to push him. Because you really don't want to be forced in that position. And Craig Council is not going to put – that was probably his final inning just about no matter what. At 85 pitches, you're probably not going to push him much past that. Maybe you let him come out for another inning and and see – because if – if he would have gotten out of that inning closer to 70-75, maybe you let him come out for another inning and take it to 90 or so. But I don't think he was touching 100 pitches tonight. I just don't. And from a from a health and safety standpoint and just making sure that you don't abuse a young pitcher's arm and put him in harm's way, watching that pitch count certainly was an important part of what uh, Craig Council had to do tonight. But in a, in a roundabout way, it just kind of worked itself out because he did end up uh, giving up that hit before his day came to an end. If you want to join us, 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN, or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, at Brew Crew Scott tweeting in saying, what's more remarkable, haters save number or his April usage? Given the sample size, do you think 50-plus saves is realistic? So more remarkable is probably the saved number. He... He hasn't he hasn't flinched, hasn't given up a run. He's got 10 saves and a 0 ERA and it's April 27th and the season started a week late. Like this, this, these are wacky numbers. These are straight up wacky numbers that Josh Hader is putting up right now. It is nothing short of impressive. Uh, as far as the save total, I uh, is 50 a possibility? Yeah, I think 50 is a possibility. This is uh, this team can be a much better offensive club than they are right now, but also they're not going to be a great offensive club. They just need to be good enough. They just need to be a middle-of-the-pack offensive club, let pitching carry them, and everything's going to be fine. His career high for saves, 37, had that in 2019. Uh, in the shortened 60-game season in 2020, he had 13, so... That would extrapolate out if you uh, if you took it up to 162 games to just short of uh, 40 in, in mid mid to late 30s. Had 34 last season. 
being in the neighborhood of 50, depending on how the season goes, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Is he going to break the all-time record that was set by Francisco Rodriguez back in 2008 of 62? No, I don't think so. And I, I don't think he gets even to second place where you have Edwin uh, Diaz and uh, Bobby Thigpen, who each have had uh, 57 save seasons. But can he approach that 50 save marker? Depending on the, how things go, if he stays healthy, uh, and the important thing is going to be the Brewers play a lot of close games, but the Brewers also play uh, some one-sided games where they get wins so that there's never a situation where he's not, or very rarely a situation where there is a save situation and he's not available for it because of how much he is being used. That's what the team has to avoid for him to uh, get up into those kind of numbers. But yeah, the pace that he's on right now, at some point it just has to drop off. He cannot stay on the pace that he's on right now. Ten saves through the first 19 games of the the season, he's on pace for about 80 saves, and, and clearly that's a number that is not going to happen. Again, if you want to join us, 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. The postgame comments manager, Craig Council, come your way next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. <laughs> One pitch. Swinging a line drive left field, base hit. Brewers take the lead. Right out of the reach of the shortstop Castillo. Tyrone Taylor delivers. In from third is Hunter Renfro. And Milwaukee leads this game two to one in the seventh. 3-1. Brewers get the win in Pittsburgh. Brewers extra innings does continue here on 94.5 ESPN. Manager Craig Council spent some time meeting with the media just a little while ago. Opened up his thoughts just talking about the environment and uh, the pitching performances that went along with it. We pitched well, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, the ball felt like it was going nowhere. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel like a home run was possible tonight. I don't maybe I'm you know, just that was the kind of the feel the game had, just and the way that some of the balls were traveling. Um, so, you know, a little bit of both, and then there's no doubt it was cold. Uh, it, it was it was very cold. You guys were still able to scratch together that rally in the seventh, couple of first pitch singles, and then just yeah. did enough, right? Well, you know, the ball stayed on the ground. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's how it had to. You know, it felt like the ball had to stay on the ground. We hit some balls hard, um, and then we we got to run with some just just walks. Just you know, we got just patience and lost lost early guy lost the strike zone a little bit. So um, that's how you had to score tonight. It felt like Aaron was able to establish kind of all of his pitches pretty early. Yeah, how was? What did you see from him? To well, I thought his, I thought his off-speed stuff was excellent. I mean, all of his off-speed pitches were, were just excellent, and um, and like we talked about, there was you know the, his misses were down. Those only miss, misses were down, and then that's always if he's just going to miss down, no scattered balls up, um, pretty pretty on the plate. So that's 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 a really good sign. You never know what happens next. But if Wong doesn't turn that, that was a sensational double play. It felt like yeah, yeah, amazing play. Um, I, 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 our best play of the year, it feels like. Uh, it was an incredible play. The way the game kind of shook out there, Box, Devin, Josh, it's exactly what you want there at the end of the game, right? Yeah, these, those guys are doing great. And, and Josh is, you know, Josh has been incredible so far. Um, just, just so locked in, and um, you know, I mean, if, you know, I thought he was pretty good tonight. Just, just short misses a little bit, but he, he's been incredible. 
for, for Ashby also, it was career high for innings. That's the deepest he's got into it. Yeah. You feel like he's making strides in that department every time on. It's so early in his career. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I was maybe a little quick today with it, taking him out. I thought, you know, I just, I, I think, um, you know, he was in the, it was into the sixth inning, so it was just deep in the game. I felt like he'd got up six times and it was so cold, you know. Um, and, I, and I feel just he'd, he'd pitched a great game and wanted to get him, get him out of there with that. So he, he's, yeah, he's gonna be. He's really valuable for us. I mean, that to have that be your sixth guy, um, and then to have the flexibility to use him in the in the bullpen once in a while, um, that, that's an impactful guy. Craig, we get a lot of comments on social media during these games about the size of the crowds here. Does that affect the the, the atmosphere at all for you guys, the players, or anything? Or I mean, um, there's just so few people in there. Does it affect no, the juice I, or? The, no, I mean, I, you know, it makes everything you can hear everything a little bit more. I'd say is the is the best thing. Most that's what it does. I mean, yeah. from from our dugout, from you know, you you can't usually hear the other end of the dugout, and, and here you can hear everything. So they announce eight thousand three hundred and thirty-one. They did not have eight thousand three hundred and thirty-one. There were some. Season ticket holders who uh, certainly did not use their tickets tonight. There's the Pirates, the Reds, the A's. There's a handful of teams that just are not drawing. And that, not to get on a, not to sidetrack things here, that's something that Major League Baseball's got to get figured out because at some point, Major League Baseball is going to want to expand. And there are some markets in this country that would support Major League Baseball. Nashville would, Las Vegas would, Portland would, San Antonio would, not in our country, but Montreal would. There are definitely Major League markets without Major League teams. But how bad of a look is it if you expand Major League Baseball when you've got the Oakland situation, which is probably going to figure itself out soon. If they don't get a new stadium in Oakland, they're going to move to Vegas. Uh, But you're not getting fans in Pittsburgh. You're not getting fans in Cincinnati. You're not getting fans in Tampa. It's just you got to figure out these situations where you're not getting fans before you can start talking about expansion. And when the weather warms up, it'll be better in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Those are great ballparks to go watch games, and those, for the most part, are pretty good fans. But you can only drag those fans in through a through an era of non-competitiveness for so long, and not only is it non-competitiveness, that they're not trying. They're not now. Give the Pirates a little bit of credit. They've locked up some guys. Uh, they they just gave a big deal to Cabrian Hayes. So it feels like this this ever loving rebuild that they have been in. Maybe it's actually a rebuild now, and they're actually going to try to start walking up that mountain. But you can't say that about Cincinnati. Can't. Uh, and it you know in Oakland it just feels like they're trying to mortgage their horrificness, for lack of a better word. I don't even know if that is a word. Uh, to try to get either a new stadium there or a new stadium in Las Vegas. So it's something to be uh, figured out. All right, uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll relive the game with the highlights. Brewers win in Pittsburgh 3-1. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Pauley. 
3-1. Brewers get the win over the Pirates. Pitching matchup. Aaron Ashby going for the crew. Dylan Peters makes the start for the Pirates. Ashby was really good. It would get going early. In the bottom of the first inning, he strikes out Diego Castillo. He strikes out Brian Reynolds after issuing a walk to Cabrian Hayes. He faces off against old friend Daniel Vogelback. third strike with a sinker on the inside edge and Aaron Ashby strikes out this side here in the bottom of the first three ortho ASAP strikeouts for the Brewers southpaw yeah he would do that a little bit throughout the course of this game scoreless as it moves into the third new pitcher for the Pirates is Bryce Wilson it was essentially a bullpen game today Wilson had been listed as the scheduled starter the Pirates have really been using starters both as actual starters and also working them out of the bullpen this year in somewhat piggyback situations uh, in the third it got started with a walk to Omar Narvaez then Bryce Wilson came in did not give up anything more and the Brewers left a man on in the third Still no hits as we got into the fourth inning. Ashby was just rolling along. He would strike out Cabrian Hayes. Then Daniel Vogelback grounds out. Two outs with Michael Chavis at the plate. Kicks into the wind and throws. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a curveball. Bounced in the dirt. Narvaez picked it out. And it's a quick and tidy 1-2-3 inning with two. Fourth away SAP strikeouts for Aaron Ashby. Well, this is some pitching we're seeing thus far this cold night in Pittsburgh. Nothing really doing in the fifth inning. One runner, a walk was issued to a Yoshi Susugo, uh, but nothing more than that. So we head to the sixth inning. So far, no hits for either team. That would change. Top of the sixth inning, one out, Colton Wong at the plate. Here's the two on. Line drive down the right field line. This is a fair ball. Should be extra bases for Wong. He rounds first and motors into second with a one-out double, and that is the first hit of this game for either team. So it brings up Andrew McCutcheon. He strikes out with a runner on in scoring position, and then with two outs, it's Willie Adamas at the plate. 3-2 pitch, swing and a miss. He got him with a changeup off the outside edge of the plate. Good pitch by Wilson. Still scoreless as we move to the bottom of the sixth inning. Again, Ashby just absolutely rolling. He had not given up a hit. He issues a walk to Diego Castillo, and then Brian Reynolds does get a base hit that ends the no-hit bid for Ashby and the Brewers. Runners on at the corners, and Brian Hayes is at uh, standing in. Chopper back up the middle, diving as Wong flips to Adamas across the bag in time. He makes the throw to first for the 4-6-3 double play. The run will score from third. The Brewers will take that outcome and just an absolutely dazzling double play turned by Wong. He laid out, flipped it out of his glove. Adamas came across the bag and then made the throw to first. And you won't see a better double play turned than that one by the Brewers right there. But the Pirates do take a 1-0 lead. We just heard Craig Council say it's the best play that the Brewers have made this season. After a walk to Vogelback, the day ends for Ashby. Trevor Gott comes in, strikes out Michael Chavis. Pirates have a 1-0 lead as the game goes to the 7th. New pitcher for the Pirates, Will Crow. He has been really, really good this year. He wasn't really, really good tonight. Christian Yelich leads the inning off with a base hit, then Hunter Renfro singles. That puts runners at the corners for Rowdy Telez. 
Crow is set at the belt, working from the stretch. He throws, swinging a hard ground ball to first. Under the glove of Susugo, it goes into right field. In from third comes Yelich. First to third, Hunter Renfro as the right fielder Sawinski brings it in. Hard ground ball, Yoshi Tsutsugo reaching backhanded, had it go right underneath the mitt, and we are tied at one in the seventh inning. They ruled that an error by Tsutsugo. Don't be shocked if maybe that gets appealed to Major League Baseball and they take another look at it. But for now, that's going to go as an error. Telez does get an RBI. Next hitter, Tyrone Taylor. 2-1 pitch. Swinging a line drive, left field, base hit. Brewers take the lead. Right out of the reach of the shortstop, Castillo. Tyrone Taylor delivers. In from third is Hunter Renfro. And Milwaukee leads this game 2-1 to one in the seventh. Two runs on three hits in the top of the seventh. Bottom of the seventh, Brad Boxberger comes in. He puts up a zero. The two teams trade zeros in the eighth with Devin Williams pitching the bottom of the eighth for the crew. So we head to the ninth inning. Brewers lead by a 2-1 score. Hunter Renfro in the top of the ninth. Uh, he would, or excuse me, yeah, Hunter Renfro in the top of the ninth. He pops out, and then that ends the day for Chase DeYoung. Sam Howard comes on to pitch. First battery faces Rowdy Telez. He hits him with the pitch. Tyrone Taylor would then fly out, but Omar Nervaez would walk. Runners on at first and second for Mike Brasso, who would walk as well. It loads the bases for Colton Wong. Here's the 3-1 pitch. And Wong took high. He draws the walk with the bases loaded. And the Brewers lead it 3-1. to one. So three straight walks. There was also a hit batter in the inning, and Henry wouldn't be ready yet. So Howard's going to have to pitch to Andrew McCutcheon. McCutcheon would end up striking out, so the Brewers leave him loaded in the ninth, but they get a run across the 3-1 game, going to the bottom of the ninth inning. New pitcher, Josh Hader. First batter he faces, Cabrian Hayes. He walks him. Then Daniel Vogelback strikes out, but then a walk to Michael Chavis. So two on, one out for Yoshi Sasugo, who strikes out swinging. Two outs, and the final hope for the Pirates is Roberto Perez. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a slider, and the Brewers will win this one by a final score of 3-1. to one. The Brewers win this series, and they'll go for the sweep tomorrow afternoon as the Brewers with a combined one-hitter over the Pirates here tonight. The first one-hitter since June 4th of last year against the Diamondbacks. With the victory, the Brewers go to 12-7. The Pirates, they drop to 8-10. What, five of their nine losses have been against the Brewers? They've just been, uh, Brewers have been really good against the Pirates this year. Winning totals, Milwaukee, three runs, four hits, no errors. They leave seven. Pittsburgh, one run, one hit, one error. They leave six. Winning pitcher, Gott, he's 1-0. The loss to Crow, he's 1-1. Hater the save, his 10th. No home runs hit. The game lasting three hours and one minute played in front of announced crowd of 8,331 folks. Brewers get the win in Pittsburgh 3-1. They look for the series sweep tomorrow afternoon. We'll preview that game and get out of here. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. 
Brewers get the win in Pittsburgh 3-1. A couple notes from this one, courtesy of baseball historian Doug Kern. Mentioned this earlier, but I'll give it to you again. Josh Hader becomes just the fifth pitcher in Major League history to have 10 saves in his team's first 19 games and the first to do it since Armando Benitez and Danny Graves each did it in 2004. Rod Beck did it in 97. Lee Smith did it in 1994. And how about this from uh, Aaron Ashby in the history of the Brewers. Pitchers to allow one hit or less, strike out six or more, but also walk five or more. That is only three pitchers in history. Aaron Ashby tonight. Juan Nieves did it. You might remember this date, April 15th, 1987. Yeah, that was the night that he threw the no-hitter. And also Skip Lockwood did it in July of 1973. So only three pitchers in Brewers history have pulled off that feat. Brewers and Pirates wrap up this series tomorrow morning. Freddie Peralta on the mound for the crew. The right-hander will come in with an 0-1 record, a 7.50 ERA. Jose Quintana, a guy the Brewers are fairly familiar with. He'll make the start for the Buccos. The lefty is 0-1 with a 3.86 ERA. Tomorrow's game is scheduled to begin at 11.35 in the morning. That means our coverage will begin at 11 o'clock. We'll be back over on WTMJ tomorrow. No Brewers extra innings after the game tomorrow, but we do have Brewers Weekly tomorrow, but it's at a different time. So if you are a loyal listener to Brewers Weekly on uh, WTMJ, we are going to be on tomorrow from 6 to 7, and then that's going to lead into our NFL draft coverage, which is going to be uh, the mega cast involving uh, us here at 94.5 ESPN in addition to uh, to WTMJ. Just a, a note on that on uh, Brewers Weekly tomorrow, I'm going to have a special guest, former Major League umpire Joe West, who has umpired more games than any other umpire in the history of the game. He is going to join me. So again, that's going to be from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock tomorrow on WTMJ. Uh, That's going to do it for uh, the program tonight. Again, the Brewers get the win. They knock off the Pirates by a 3-1 score. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow for Brewers Weekly, and we'll talk to you again on Friday for Brewers Extra Innings.